Once again, Taiwan has tightened its eligibility requirements for COVID-19 hospital admissions. Effective immediately, only moderate or severe COVID cases will be admitted to hospitals. Patients in high-risk groups will no longer be admitted automatically. Instead, they can choose to isolate at enhanced quarantine facilities or quarantines hotels with easy access to hospitals. Let's hear from the CECC. 這部分就是包括70歲以上的長者 High risk patients include adults aged 70 and up, patients aged 65 to 69 who live alone, pregnant women in the 36th week or beyond, and infants with a fever of at least 39 degrees who are between 3 and 12 months old. People in this group can get a medical assessment. If they are suitable for home care, they can stay at home. If not, they will be transferred to enhanced quarantine centers or quarantine hotels. Over this past weekend, ahead of this policy change, we asked the hospitals in charge of the enhanced quarantine centers and hotels to create a green corridor that enables fast hospitalization if needed. This corridor can be used by pregnant women who go into labor during the observation period or for infants whose symptoms worsen. They can access medical care quickly through these corridors. Quarantine centers will have medical staff on duty offering the required medical care. If the patients are deemed eligible for oral antivirals, the quarantine center or hotel will be able to provide them with the medication. On Tuesday, the CECC reported 65,794 local cases along with 38 COVID-related deaths. Among the deaths, 37 were patients with a history of chronic disease and 18 were unvaccinated. 17 were over the age of 80. The youngest casualties were two unvaccinated women in their 30s who had a history of cancer. A new drive through PCR testing site opened on Tuesday at Taipei's Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall. The emergency clinic is the city's third drive through facility open to ease the strain on local hospitals. Operations were smooth on Tuesday morning as the clinic handled 300 online reservations and 100 walk-ins. The clinic is staffed by 720 medical workers, including 172 doctors and nurses from private clinics. A long line of cars stretches down Aiguo East Road and beyond. It's not yet 8 o'clock in the morning, and there's already heavy traffic at Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall. The screening station has four lanes open from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. With no-shows on the rise across city clinics, doctors are imploring locals to show up for their appointments. People who make an appointment, please come. When you don't show up, you take up a slot that could go to someone else. No shows might be occurring because the person makes an appointment, but then a slot opens up at a hospital closer to home. Or perhaps the person's situation changes and it's no longer convenient to go outside. That's possible as well. Operations were smooth on the first day of the new testing station. In the morning, it served 300 scheduled appointments. It offered another 100 walk-in appointments, which were fully booked within an hour. With the new addition, there are now three drive through test sites in Taipei. There's one at Beitou Shilin Technology Park that can serve 2,000 people a day. Another located in Muja can handle 800, while the newest clinic can test up to 1,200. In addition, the city will soon open a large PCR test site at a university's sports stadium, which will be able to serve 800 to 1,000 people. It's also considering a fifth at a municipal sports facility. 
To support the new screening sites, healthcare workers are being recruited from private clinics. Out of concern for the people's health, President Tsai has requested help from grassroots medical workers, particularly in Taipei, New Taipei, Jilong and Taoyuan, where the strain on the medical system is greatest. Grassroots medical workers will support local hospitals that currently operating or newly opened test stations. The Taiwan Medical Association says it will respond to the president's call by sending private practitioners to the nation's emergency clinics. On Tuesday, it sent dozens of medical workers to Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall. As other test stations open up nationwide, it will draw up plans for manpower allocation and submit them to the central government. 172 people were mobilized for this clinic today. I am very grateful to the Taiwan Medical Association for providing manpower. We're all standing united behind this cause. Taipei Veterans General Hospital thanked the medical group for its assistance. Private practitioners say they will join hands with local hospitals to get Taiwan through the pandemic. A mental health advocacy group says its helpline is getting more and more calls about COVID-19. People who catch the virus often feel anxious and sometimes guilty as well. Mental health experts say that finding ways to soothe and calm yourself is important. That lets your body recover as best as it can. We heard from several people who has had the virus or were in close contact with a patient to find out how they managed the stress. With COVID spreading, more and more people are catching the virus, but the psychological stress of getting COVID is often overlooked. Mental health advocacy organization Teacher Zhang invited three patients and close contacts of patients to share what's on their minds. For many, the thought of passing COVID on to loved ones is the biggest stress. I think the saddest thing was when my dad said he'd started having some of the same symptoms as me, like a sore throat. It was so bad and I had a raspy voice, could hardly talk. I felt so guilty because my dad has diabetes and it can cause complications. It seems kind of hard to imagine. When I spoke to the doctor, they really emphasized that if I start feeling really unwell, I should call an ambulance ASAP. I was really stressing out about whether I should call an ambulance. I was scared to tell my family. If I told my mom straight away, she might have rushed into my self-isolation room to try and take care of me. Many COVID patients feel guilty. There are reports of people in Taipei being afraid to tell their landlords they caught COVID-19 for fear of being summarily evicted. The helpline run by teacher Zhang has had 50 calls about COVID-19 since the outbreak took a turn for the worse this month. 70% of those callers said they were feeling anxious. When I first heard I had a close contact who had COVID-19, I felt quite anxious and quite panicky for a moment. Then I calmed myself down a bit, and only when I felt calmer did I start thinking about what to do. People who've been through COVID recommend that you prioritize staying calm and say no to catastrophizing thoughts. If you have a run-in with the virus, find ways to soothe yourself and take it easy. Taiwan has been testing its second-generation Tang Yun drone out on the open sea. The unmanned aerial vehicle was recently spotted on a test flight off the coast of Hualien, where it clocked a flight time of three hours. The Tan Yun 2 is designed to operate at high altitudes and over a long range. Sources say it will have daytime and nighttime reconnaissance capabilities. It will also be equipped for electronic warfare and meteorological monitoring in the waters surrounding Taiwan. It may also be mounted with weapons systems to maximize its combat capabilities.
There's less than a week to go before the World Health Assembly convenes in Geneva. Ahead of the opening day, Taiwan expats around the world are rallying on the streets to fight for their country's right to participate. There's also been support from 13 members of the World Health Organization who have proposed that Taiwan be invited to join the summit as an observer. The WHO says their proposal will be reviewed on May 23rd. In Sao Paulo, Brazil, more than 100 people took to the streets. Holding up the national flag of Taiwan, demonstrators urged the international community to let Taiwan take part in the World Health Organization. The goal of this parade today is to fight for Taiwan's basic human right to health. Taiwan can help. The 75th World Health Assembly will start on May 22nd in Geneva, Switzerland. Ahead of its opening, local Taiwanese residents gathered at a park and held up signs that read, Taiwan can help. They're planning a larger scale street demonstration. Just to lift up our, uh, our need to WHO. Over in the U.S., a small plane flies a banner high in the sky. Residents of Northern California held a car parade with flags and lion dances to promote Taiwan's bid. In Washington, D.C., Taiwan expats braved the elements to stage an outdoor demonstration. Over in Europe, Taiwan's representative offices in Austria, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary and Poland produced a video with local politicians, calling on the WHO to include Taiwan. Let Taiwan's voice be heard. Give Taiwan a seat in the World Health Assembly. With deep commitments to improving world health and maintaining world order. Countries around the world are speaking up for Taiwan. According to the WHO, 13 member states have submitted a proposal that Taiwan be invited to the WHA. Their motion will be reviewed on May 23rd. In a Facebook post, President Tsai Ing-wen said Taiwan should not be left out of the global health system. She wrote that as the clock ticks down to the WHA, Taiwan will waste no opportunity to make itself heard. Turning now to the California church shooting that killed one and wounded five last Sunday. Police have new details on the suspect, 68-year-old David Cho. He's a Las Vegas resident believed to have been politically motivated against Taiwan. He was a part of a radical pro-Beijing association in the U.S., and notes of hatred toward Taiwan were found in his vehicle. President Tsai Ing-wen and a number of Taiwanese officials have expressed condolences to the victims of the shooting. The man holding the microphone on the right is David Cho, the suspect in last Sunday's church shooting in California. In April 2019, he attended a Las Vegas event held by the National Association for China's Peaceful Unification. U.S. law enforcement says the shooting was, quote, a politically motivated hate incident, as Cho was upset about Taiwan-China tensions. Citing evidence found in his car, police believe his hatred of the Taiwanese community drove him to target the Taiwanese congregation. So far, investigators have not found a connection between the suspect and any of the parishioners of the church. Everyone is very shocked. Taiwanese people and Taiwanese Americans treasure and love peace. We never provoke people who have a different political background. Taiwan has sacrificed so much over so many years in order to have our democracy. Reports say Cho, who is 68, had lived in Taiwan when he was younger, before immigrating to the U.S. He is a member of the National Association for China's Peaceful Unification, an organization founded by the Chinese Communist Party in 1988. 
The association has chapters in many countries and has been designated in the U.S. as a foreign mission of China advocating against Taiwan independence. I have decided to go to the AIT tomorrow to ask U.S. authorities to investigate the case thoroughly. Taiwan's presidential office has also responded to the tragic incident. It's instructed Foreign Minister Joseph Wu to convey condolences to the victims and their families. It's also asked Taiwan Representative Xiaobi Kim to travel to California to support the victims and to request that U.S. authorities ensure the safety of local Taiwanese. On social media, President Tsai Ing-wen condemned the act of violence and expressed condolences over the death of Dr. John Chang, who was killed attempting to subdue the Overseas Community Affairs Council member Wendy Yang says Chang was a hero. This Dr. Zheng is truly a hero of the overseas Taiwanese community. He sacrificed himself. Had he not done that, this tragedy would have resulted in more victims. American football player Johnny Stanton conveyed his condolences on Twitter, saying that Dr. Chang was his primary care physician. He hailed Chang as, quote, an absolute hero who saved the lives of so many others. He called on his Twitter followers to remember his name, saying that Chang would be missed. Poland's deputy economics minister is visiting Taiwan with a delegation. On Tuesday, he attended the 10th Taiwan-Poland economics consultations held by the Ministry of Economic Affairs. During the forum, Taiwan and Poland signed three MOUs for closer cooperation, including in the field of electric vehicles research. Many Taiwanese businesses have established themselves in the Polish market and invested in Poland. But the current level of cooperation could be further deepened. This forum today shows that the government of Poland is hoping to attract Taiwanese investors. Amid the U.S.-China trade war, the COVID pandemic and the Russia-Ukraine war, it has been crucial that overseas Taiwanese businesses diversify their production bases. Due to its geographic location and workforce of 23 million, Poland has become a major investment destination for Taiwanese businesses. Poland has a rapidly advancing hot melt adhesive industry and car parts industry and is a hub for electronics assembly. So far, 31 Taiwanese businesses have set up shop in Poland with an eye on breaking into the European market. Trade between the two countries reached 1.65 billion US dollars in 2021, rising 33% from the previous year. The first made in Taiwan bomb disposal robot has hit the streets. The robot can defuse explosive devices via remote control. Officers in the bomb disposal unit at the Criminal Investigation Bureau are using it to make dangerous crime scenes a little safer. The unit has, up till now, relied on robots imported from the U.S. The bomb disposal robot opens a car door, extends its arm and pulls out the explosive device hidden in the vehicle. Then the bomb is put through an X-ray scanner. Mission complete. The jet black robot moves slowly, its caterpillar tracks adapting to the terrain. The upper arm will rotate to handle objects at any angle. A detective controls the robot with a Wi-Fi connected camera. He cautiously dismantles the explosive, maintaining just the right distance. 
In bomb disposal work, when handling an explosive, we have a principle called three minimizations. Number one, minimize the number of officers present. Number two, minimize the time you're in contact with the device. Number three, minimize the number of contacts. The biggest purpose of the bomb disposal robot is taking our place in getting close to the device, which is dangerous. Usually, dealing with an explosive and clearing the site will take between 15 and 20 minutes. In the past, Taiwan bought its bomb disposal robots from the US. Now this model is produced right here in Taiwan. The Taiwanese product is larger and better suited to heavy explosives than its American counterpart. And being homemade, it's easier to repair and cheaper. For example, there was a firearms altercation about two or three years ago in a new Taipei night market. The offender dropped a hand grenade. It would have been dangerous for one of our officers to approach it, even in bomb disposal uniform, because there was a firefight going on. So we would always send a robot forward to handle the grenade that was dropped to pick it up and remove it. For the first time, Taiwan has its own bomb disposal robot to rely on. Police hope the bot will help defuse dangerous situations and keep everyone safe and sound. A hostel owner on Green Island is getting vital medical care for stray cats through an ingenious project. She asks visiting doctors to treat the cats in exchange for accommodation and diving lessons. Dozens of cats have been successfully neutered or given care thanks to her tireless efforts. Now she's even starting an adoption agency. Let's head to Green Island to check it out. Stray cats lounge in the sun on Green Island. They have a spat from time to time, and there are always one or two with an injury or illness. That prompted hostel owner Molly to conceive of this project, getting vets to come to the island and treat its feline population. We are divers, and through that we met a vet who neuters cats, who was willing to help us. I can provide them with accommodation, diving instruction, or scooter rental, so we do a professional exchange of services. Molly is a real cat lover. When she saw the stray cat population increasing, she had to act. By chance, a vet came to her for diving lessons, and she asked if they could exchange services. That way, the visitor gets a holiday and a spot of diving, and local cats get medical attention and neutering. A cat lies on the operating table to be neutered. In one year, the project has successfully neutered 80 cats. Injured and sick kitties have gotten care as well. And now Molly has a media platform where she finds stray cats new owners. At first we were just running into the cats and giving them some simple emergency care. Then we got our own place and realized we could do more to help them. So I set up an adoption platform. I'm trying to give more kittens to people. Green Island is one of Taiwan's most idyllic spots, but it can be isolated. Getting all the services you need is not as simple as it might be in Taipei. But this hostel owner's ingenuity and resourcefulness have gotten around that, allowing her to help out some of her most vulnerable community members. Malaysian paper plane pilot Seng Fat Be has won second place for Taiwan at the world's biggest paper plane throwing competition. Paper plane pilots from 60 countries competed at the 6th Red Bull Paper Wings World Final in Salzburg, Austria. Be represented Taiwan in the aerobatics category where he worked a diabolo into his paper plane routine. His second place finish is Taiwan's best ever performance at the competition. 
Hangar 7 at Salzburg Airport is famous for its futuristic design. It also plays host to the Paper Plane World Championships. This year, a Malaysian student from the University of Taipei competed for Taiwan in the aerobatics category. He performed his paper plane routine while juggling at Diapolo, mesmerizing the crowd with his dexterity. Paper plane pilot Sam Fat Bear has trained on the Diablo for 15 years. Even so, it wasn't easy to fold the Diablo into his purple plane routine, he says. The trickiest part is pulling up the Diablo with one hand. In my routine, I have to pull it up with my right hand while throwing the plane with my left hand. Because I'm doing that, I can't maneuver the Diablo at the usual speed. His performance was followed by a thunderous applause. He was awarded second place by the judges, scoring Taiwan's best performance in the tournament. I'm very, very happy. I didn't expect it at all. When I signed up to compete, I did it with the mentality of just having fun. Then I advanced to the Taiwan finals, and then I reached the world finals. I put a lot of work into preparing for this. I put my heart into it. But because this was my first encounter with paper planes, it was very, very difficult for me. In the aerobatics category, first place went to Lee Seung-hoon of South Korea. Dressed in a black tuxedo, Lee launched planes with the sleight of hand of a magician. After being crowned champion, Lee thrilled the audience again by proposing to his girlfriend with a paper plane. The crowd also enjoyed exciting shows in two other categories, distance and airtime. Competing for the longest time in the air, Rana Muhammad Usman Saeed of Pakistan won the title, with a plane toss lasting 14.86 seconds. In the distance category, the trophy went to a seasoned Serbian paper plane pilot, who threw his plane 61.11 meters on his second try.